Hey, if you're new, uh, I also want to introduce myself. I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here. Really glad that you're with us. You've caught us uh, week four in a series called We Will. We're kind of looking at uh, going through the book of Acts, kind of big picture. not kind of. Uh, and what we're kind of looking at is this picture of the disciples. And you know, kind of there was like just a couple of dozen of them. Um, and, and Jesus leaves and kind of gives them this task to ultimately kind of create this worldwide movement. And the book of Acts is kind of the story of how that movement comes together. And then essentially kind of this we will idea is like we, we will do the things they did because God has called us to do the same thing, to take, take what God has given us and take it out there to the world. And I don't know how many of you can relate to this. I know some of you do. I know some of you like you, you may own your own business. Um, you know, like you're responsible for getting clients or whatever. Or maybe you have a hobby that you're really passionate about and kind of it's it's your job, it's your responsibility to kind of build something. Like if I'm going to get new customers, if I'm going to get new clients, if I'm going to get more people into this, it's going to be up to me. And so you're kind of like the, you're, you're having to be like this hype person as you're trying to build this, right? I, I play that role and you think I might what I might be about to say is something to do with the church. I'm not going to talk about the church. All, we got all time to talk, talk about church. College basketball. Razorback college basketball. It's kind of like my job. It's like I mean, it's like my part-time job. I don't get paid for it. In fact, I pay to do it, I guess. It, it, this job, I'm, 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 I'm trying to build the hype. I know it's football season, and, and, and it, was a, it was a good win yesterday, and it's fine, but it's always basketball season. There's always time to recruit people to get the hype going. The red-white games, first Saturday, October, 3 o'clock, Barnhill, not Bud Walton. We always have, now, now I'm working you, right? I'm working you. So we always have a group from the Grove that sits together. We had like 25, 30. I think it should be like 150 maybe this year. So it's awesome. Like it's what I do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get people who are like, ah, I'm really not into sports. I'm really not into, well, I like football. Like, no, no, Razorback basketball. I'm trying to get new people in. And then there's a smaller group of people that I'm working that, um, that I'm trying to get them more hype. Like, like I'll bring with me, them me to the game. I've got subtly trying to get them maybe to get their own tickets because we're trying to fill that up, man. We're trying to get excitement going. We're trying to bring the 90s back to Razorback basketball, and, 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 and I've got a part to play in it, right? And, um, again, 3 o'clock, first Saturday of October, Barnhill. And, you know, so, again, you've got this responsibility. Um, either with my job or maybe something that God's called you to. Like, we've got we've to build something. And so in order to be able to do that, I have to, I have, to have a certain level of commitment. I need to build commitment and enthusiasm in a small group. And the people that I have, I've, I've, got to, I've, got, I've got to equip them to kind of take that out there. And then we've got to figure out how do we get more people connected. And that's just what we see here all throughout the book of Acts. And up until this point, there's kind of these three we will statements that we've looked up to, looked at so far. Three weeks ago, we talked about that we will be witnesses. And it kind of starts with Jesus with this saying, hey, you have a job to do. Your job is to take what I have given you and give it to the world. And then as this movement begins to build, we begin to see their devotion. They are devoted to this idea. They are devoted to their relationship with God. They're devoted to each other. And then ultimately they have this boldness. We're going to be bold. We're not going to be passive witnesses. We are not going to wait until asked. We're going to go out into the world and talk to people who desperately need to hear this from Jesus. And so you see 
these pieces coming together. We're going to see a few more as we finish up the series over the next few weeks. These different things that were necessary, if they were going to build this movement of God that would go from a couple of dozen people to uh, tens if not hundreds of thousands in just a few years and ultimately a billion people, they had to understand God has given us a task. We're going to be devoted to this God. We're going to be devoted to each other. We're going to be devoted to the job He's given us. And then we're going to be bold about it. And in the same way, this is not just an academic study to learn what they did. We, we will do this. We will be witnesses. We will be devoted. We will be bold. And today we're going to look at another piece of that as we're looking at Acts chapter 6. That what God has also called us to do is, is, is that we will be servants this is not about simply being a part of a church, being having a relationship with God. Following Jesus Christ is not about what God can do for me. That is a huge part of it. But that's not the end. He is calling all of us to have this attitude of, of service, that I need to live my life not as someone who is just taking, but someone who always has an attitude of giving. <coughs> So we're going to look at this little story in Acts chapter 6 because they're starting to have some growing pains. They've got so many people involved and God's doing so much that they've, they've got to figure out some new ways of doing things. And it has a lot to do with um, this idea of being a servant. Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, just real quick, disciples, this is follower of Jesus, okay? Someone who's kind of part of this movement, right? In these days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, if you haven't been around the Grove a while, you need to understand this. I, I always try not to do this. Like, like we're reading something, and then there's some really weird church words in there, and you're like, I'm not just going to read over and be like, yeah, we all know what that means, right? Oh, yeah, Hellenistic Jews. Because, because then that, that, makes, that can make people feel stupid. Like, that's weird. Like, what does that even mean? So we're going to talk about what that means real quick. All right? So this entire movement up until this point is almost exclusively, 99 plus percent, exclusively Jewish people. Um, it started when um, the first sermon of Peter, all, all, all Jewish people from around the world had come to Jerusalem for this festival. And so essentially at this point, we can imagine there's two types of Jewish people. There's the Jewish people that live in Israel. And so they, they, are, they are Jewish by religion, they're Jewish by their heritage, but they're also Jewish by culture. I live amongst Jewish people. Um, I am Jewish in every sense of the world, it, 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 my, the language that I speak, the culture that I'm living. But also by this time, there had also been some Jewish people who had spread out to other parts of the world. They are still Jewish by, by, by heritage. They are still Jewish by their faith but they speak different languages and are living now in another culture and aren't as Jewish as, the, the again, the Hebraic Jews, the Hebrewish Jews that are just living in a completely Jewish culture. They have been more like the Greek and Roman culture out there, Hellenistic, like Greekish, right? And so there's two types of these Jewish people that have all now come together to form this one movement of Jesus, the people who kind of come from... The, the Israelite Jews, and then the kind of out there in the surrounding areas Jews, right? And so there's a problem because they're, the, they're taking care of their widows, and, and they're saying that um, you seem to be showing favoritism to the more Jewish 
um, widows, and, and these people aren't getting the food that they need. So it's like, so the Hebraic Jews, because they're widows, the, the Hellenistic said that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them <coughs> and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So we got the situation here where it's like they're doing a great thing. They're taking care of the widows amongst them. And in this culture at this time, uh, a widow would have no means by which to support herself. And so the church is doing that. We're going to make sure that these widows have everything that they need. And so they're collecting food and then they're distributing it. But in the distribution, it would seem that there was a cultural bias towards the more Jewish families. And so that they would give more bread to these people. And by the time they are distributing the food, there wasn't enough left over for these people over here. And there's a problem. And so this, this is a significant thing, and they understand how important it is. And they come to the disciples, and they're like, we get, something has to be done about this. And they're like, wait, wait, this is, this, this is not our primary purpose, us as the disciples. We, God has called us to be out there preaching and, and telling people about Jesus. We've got to figure something else out. And so they, they say, why don't you get seven awesome guys together to kind of lead this new, lead this thing and let them do this so we can do this other thing that God's called us to. Everybody said, man, that's a great idea. They picked these seven guys, and it says that ultimately the word of God spread, and everything was, was great. And so as they're kind of figuring out these growing pains, there's a couple of things that I think that we need to see that, that they learned in this moment that we need to make sure that we understand. There's some, some important things to help us as we think about who it is God's called us to be. He's called us to be witnesses, right? We're going to be witnesses, and we're going to be bold, and we're going to be devoted, but we also need to have this servant heart here, but there's a couple of parts, a couple of things that as they're figuring out what it means to also be these servants, they figured out that we need to make sure that we understand. And the first one is this, in order to do this thing that God has called us to do, to be who God has called us to be as a church, it's going to take more than just the professionals. So at this point in Acts chapter 6, it's basically Jesus' 12, the, the original 12 disciples that Jesus had it would seem that they were doing everything. They were out there, they were the ones that were preaching, they uh, doing evangelism out there, teaching the people here. It seems like they were also in charge of the widows. They were doing everything. And ultimately this problem arises because they're not doing at least this one thing. This one thing's not going very well. And they're like, they need some help. It's like, essentially they're saying, this can't all be on us. We, we need more of you to kind of take some ownership and leadership here. And I think that I can say this. It's like, hey, man, if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, it's going to have to be more than just the staff. I think that's one of those things that we all know, but, but like, do we, do, we, do we know know it? Do, do, we, do we really know that? And this has never happened here. This is good because I probably would have hit someone, and, and then it would have been bad. That would have been bad, right? Um, 
but I have been in churches before where, like, you like you, you talk to somebody, it's like, hey, man, it would really be great if you would help lead this thing that the church is trying to do. And then the person says back, isn't that your job? Isn't that why we pay you? Mm, that's just ugly. That's just, that's just ugly. That's just not good. There's nothing good about that because what it shows is a mentality that sometimes can creep in. And again, I think we know this is true, but we need to like know, know it, right? That there's not some line and there's two types of people in a church. There's the people that, that do stuff and then there's the people that just get stuff. Like there's the people that serve, and then there's the people who are served. There's there's never been that type of line. Jesus never wanted there. I mean, this is something that was important to Jesus from the very beginning. He's like, I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of Man. I created all the people. And even when I came here to teach you, I didn't come here so that you could serve me. I came here so I could serve you. And to give ultimately then to give my life away. Because if there's anybody that has the right to live a life that says people should serve me, it's the person who made the people, right? Like, I, I made all of you, and so now you're just going to do exactly what I say. You're going to do for me, for me. You see, if he doesn't get to have that attitude, who gets to have that attitude? Nobody does. No, Nobody gets to have that attitude. And so we all have to have this attitude that says, I'm not looking to a church staff, to missionaries. I'm not looking to professional church people to do the things that God has called us to do as a church. There is no, there's, we will do this. We will be servants. There's, there's no distinction that we are all servants. But there's another piece to that. About, about it, about it, not just being just professional, because something it's it's subtle, but I, I think it's also a little bit uh, a little bit obvious, right? So the disciples, these twelve guys, they were doing essentially everything. They were teaching the church. They were doing the evangelism. They were taking care of the widows. Who knows what else they were doing? This one thing that they were doing here, they weren't very good at it. Like they, they were maybe they were really good at teaching, maybe really good at evangelism, being bold for God, but they were terrible at this. I mean, like, like you don't want them to do it because it was clear in some way they had some sort of a cultural bias towards it. Like we're gonna, we're gonna give the food first to people that are more like us. So they had a, they had a cultural bias, and apparently maybe they weren't very good at math. Uh, they weren't very good at details. They weren't very good at you know word problems. You know, there's. There's seven people and 14 apples. How many, how many apples did everybody get? Well, this person got 12. I had two left over. I don't know what to do with them, right? It's like, they, like you've, got, you've got this much food, and it's like, well, how much of this do we get? It's like, I don't know. Take some. And then you don't have any left. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to They weren't very good at it. They don't come right out and say it. They, they make it sound like all that's going on here is that there's more, there's more specific things that they should be doing, which is true. They should do the things that they're most gifted at. But when they were doing things that they weren't gifted at, they weren't very good at it. And they say, why don't you find some people who are in fact can be good at this? So that we can do the things specifically that God has equipped us to do. Now I'll be the first to tell you, I may be great at word problems. 
but I would be terrible at this. Like, I, 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 where's, where's the food? It's like, is that today? I thought, I, I thought, I thought that was, I thought we were doing that on Tuesday. It is Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, um, you, and now I'm embarrassed. And then now, and, and then my thing is like, well, I got to compensate for that. Like, I, there's lots of things that I cannot do. There's lots of things that our staff can't do. But what if there are things that only you can do? What if there are things that God has uniquely equipped you to do? What if there are certain passions and skills? What if the way, exactly the way that God has designed you, with the things that you are good at and the things that you are passionate about, that is exactly how he wanted to use you to serve the world? But it's going to happen. We're only going to get to that point if our attitude changes. And I recognize the, the we will in this service. We, we will serve. We will be servants. We will figure out how God wants to use each one of us to do the things that God has called us to do. And not to rely on a, a small group of people. So that, that He was equipped. These guys were equipped to teach. So they should just do that. And the more of this other stuff that they're doing, not only are they not maximizing their time, but we're cultivating an attitude that says it doesn't take all of us. When in fact it absolutely takes all of us. And if we're going to do and be the church that God's called us to, it's going to take more than just the professionals. But the other thing that I think it's important for us to notice here is that you would think, well, okay, what, what is the church trying to do here? Right? Well, it's a church, right? And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're doing evangelism, trying to get more people to believe in Jesus. And then when everybody gets together, they, um, they're trying to get everybody there to understand Jesus more and better. And that is a primary function of what the church is supposed to do. But also right in the middle of this, we have this, this, this calling that they have to take care of the hurting and the broken. The people who have no ability to take care of themselves. People who have experienced overwhelming loss. And what I would like to suggest is that that thing is, it, it, is the greater thing. And what I would like to say to you that more than this, more than us coming together and you and, and, and the worship team and the, and the teaching, that, that more than this, that the greatest ministry that our church can be a part of, our greatest ministry is baptism. The greatest thing that we can do is not in here. The greatest thing we can do is right here. The greatest thing that we can do is to bring hope and life to the people who are desperate for it. That's the greatest thing that we can do. This is overwhelmingly important. This is abs- it's, it's, it's essential. And so when two things are essential, it's hard to talk about one of them being greater than the other one. But for kind of what we're talking about, I want you to have that kind of mentality that says that it is greater, it is better. The things that we can do out there for the people who are the furthest from God, the people who are hurting, the people who are broken, the people who do not have the means either physically or spiritually to to take care of themselves, that that is a greater thing that we can do than the thing that we do here. Again, this is really good. 
God has called you to follow him. And in order for you to do the great thing out there, you need to come here and be a part and be encouraged and connect with God through worship to be taught and understand God's word. Almost a little bit like a pep rally. Come on, guys, we can do this. This is awesome. God is awesome. You're awesome. And there's need. And we can do this. Let's go. And then you go do it. And then we come back and we celebrate again and we go do it again. We have to do this. If all we do is out there, we'll, we might just kind of wither. But if all we do is this, then we're missing out on the greatest opportunity that we have, which is to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring food to the hungry, to bring clothing to the people who have none, to bring shelter to those who have none. This is what God has called us to do and to be. And we need to make sure, I mean, when this problem was brought to the disciples, they didn't say this. Man, what are you even talking about this for? What's this got to do with preaching the gospel? What's this got to do with teaching people? Why are you, why, why are you even bringing this up? We have important things to do. You guys do whatever you want with the food and the people and the, and the whiny widows. Who cares? We've got God's business to take care of which is an attitude that you saw amongst religious people that Jesus was encountering. It wasn't Jesus' attitude. It was not the disciples' attitude. This is of critical importance. Find seven awesome dudes and make this happen. And now there will be more of us, and we can do this thing, and they can do this thing, and it's going to be great. And I'm telling you, it is very important for us as a church to recognize that this is what God has called us to do. That God has called us to be the church out there. I mean, just even by percentages of time, you being great out there, there's a lot more of that. There's a lot more opportunity for that. There's a lot more time for that. There's a lot more need out there than there is in here. And we've got lots of different ways that we can help with that. And there's... Different things, 30, 100, there's a limitless number of things, honestly, that we could talk about that God has called us to do and be in the church. We're just going to highlight a couple of them, one specifically and a couple of others as well. But there's this one ministry that's been a part of our church for several years, and it used to be called the Benevolence Ministry. It's what every church everywhere has always called it, and so we called it that. And then after a while, you realize that's a lot of syllables and a very, and a very churchy word. And unless you grew up super churchy, it's not very intuitive what that is. But essentially, it's, it's helping the needy. And um, we've recently switched the name of this ministry from benevolence to community care. Um, that is not a help in number of syllables, but at least we know what those words mean, right? It's pretty obvious. It's, it's how the church shows the community that we care, right? And it was started several years ago by a couple of awesome people, Lynette Washington and Kim Blanchett. And one part of it, Kim Blanchett, she really invested a lot of time in, is responding to people who come to the church asking for help. And it's a very normal thing that happens in churches everywhere. I mean, people just, people are always calling churches if they have a need. Will a church, will you help me? I need to pay this bill. I don't have any food. I'm late on my rent. My electricity is about to get shut off. You get all sorts of requests, all the things that you can imagine. And you hear all sorts of different stories. And a lot of churches have some very different responses to that, but this, this particular part of the Benevolence Now Community Care Team 
that Kim was leading took a different sort of approach, which is to say, if we can, we will help everyone. And if your church has that kind of attitude, I assure you the word on that gets out. Um, people know, and our church over the last several years has built a reputation of, if you need help, go to that church. That church will help. That church will give you money. That church will, that, that church. And so there, there's a network. And as you can well imagine, no matter where you are in the world, there is going to be an overwhelming amount of people who are in need. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago, and nothing has changed. There is always going to be a huge amount of need. And so if there is a huge amount of need, and they're all talking to each other, and the word is, this church will help you, well, you can imagine what the challenge is there. The challenge is, we probably need more people and more money. And um, some of the people, one of the guys that is leading that ministry now, a guy named Bobby Rees, who's also one of our drummers, uh, we interviewed him, and we have a couple-minute video here we'd like for you to watch about the community church. Something that I'm reminded of often is something that Charlie said quite a while back in regards to if the Grove Church was to close its doors and pretty much dissolve as a church, would anybody in this community know or recognize or even miss the services that we were able to provide as a church to our community? strapped with uh, not having a lot, but a lot of um, hardship, I guess you could say. Um, and so we were able to help alleviate some of that pressure that they were experiencing in Little Rock. Um, and then as it comes about, they've actually moved to Fayetteville. And whenever they moved to Fayetteville, the wife of the family reached back out to us um, and was able to ask for the church to be able to meet a need um, for her new job that she was about to step into. And so us as a church, we were able to meet those basic needs of getting her a uniform and getting her um, the tools that she was needing for her new job to transition into a job and employment and having that financial security that they didn't have before. One of the common misconceptions that I hear a lot um, when talking about the community church and specifically is that you're going to have to go out at midnight and meet a landlord that's angry and about to throw somebody out of their apartment because they were being too loud or they weren't paying their rent for the next day. And that's honestly not true. That's not true. Um, the best way that you can get involved and serve um, the community care team is, is twofold. One is money. And noting that um, whenever you give your tithe, give a small portion to the community care team um, and put some cash on hand to be able to meet the needs that walk in our door. And another Honestly, maybe the best way um, is through gift cards. Let's say you're at Walmart and you're in the checkout line um, and you're about to wrap up with your weekly bag of groceries. Well, throw a gift card or two at the end of that purchase and put $20, $40, $50, $100 on each of those gift cards and then bring those to church with you and give them to us. Drop them in the bucket as they go around um, whenever they're collecting tithe or, or walk up to, to Charlie or so and say, here's gift cards for the community care team. Um, he'll know what to do with that. a couple of things that Bobby said. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Just in the spirit of Acts chapter six, you don't want to hand me things on a Sunday. Um, 
we, we, I would also like to add this. I mean, he, he, he was emphasizing how important it is for there to be gift cards, which is true. But we also do need people. We do need people who are willing to kind of essentially be the face, the hands, the heart of the church. These people, um, they don't need, they don't need just simply money. They, they need someone to be a tangible represent, representation of Jesus Christ in them. The, the, the love and compassion of Jesus that they can see it by, by in, in someone. We need more people because we get these situations and they just be they need to tell their story. You want to hear someone's story. You want their story to matter and you want to be there for them and then you can meet. And so I would encourage you if you think that's something that you would like to be a part of next Sunday after the service there's going to be a brief informative meeting where we just kind of get people who are interested because again, you know, you're getting 6, 7, 8 calls a week. You've only got a couple of people doing that. I mean, that's just a lot. And again, we want to respond to as many needs as we can, but eventually the money runs out. And so gift cards really is a great way to do it. Um, you'd be surprised at all the different things one can accomplish. Get gas, food, supplies, you can pay your bills, lots of things you do at a Walmart gift card. And so I would encourage you to just kind of make that part of your routine. And um, on an, in another way, out there, if you've seen this, there's a, a pantry that we have. And again, the network is vast, and they know exactly when we stock that. Uh, we, one of the times that we stock it is first thing on Sunday morning. I assure you, when you walk out of here, it will be empty because they know that that's when we need to do that. We need people who to bring more things to that on Sunday. We actually probably need somebody to put stuff in there on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. What if there was somebody every day that just said, I'm going to fill this up? We had seven people, and they did that. Is, it's a great thing to do, to, to give food to people who desperately need it. We've got a couple of great ministries. You walk out of here, there's a chalkboard that's going to be kind of against that wall. A couple of great ministries that we have that people in our church lead, one called Laundry Love that um, basically provides a meal and the, the quarters and soap and supplies that you need for people that still need to use a laundromat, people who are impoverished, and it's a great ministry that happens every month. You can get in board with that, either physically being there or just handing the people who need those things the, the wads of quarters that they need. There's also a thing called Art in the Park, which is a ministry where you do art with the homeless. And that may sound a little less tangible than the other ones. But let me tell you this. You're talking about um, homeless people. They're used to being dehumanized. You're not really a person. You're a thing or you're an issue. You're a problem. You're not a person. And to have a ministry where for that for that time, you're a, you're a person. And, and we want to talk to you. We want to interact with you. We want art and expression to come from you. It's a powerful ministry. We've got people here who work for Camp War Eagle. They do a lot of awesome things. We've got people here who work with Seven Hills Homeless Shelter. That is, I mean, just, there's no lack of opportunity. And I want to make sure that we're also clear on this. This is not a church growth strategy. We, we have, this is not the kind of thing that's like, you know, and, and, then, and then you'll do this, and then all these cool things will happen. This is something that you do because God loves people, because it was on the heart of Jesus. It is on the heart. I'm working my way through the, reading through the Old Testament. From the very beginning, you just see God pouring out his heart. He cares especially for those who lack the means to care for themselves. This is what we do. We do it because people matter to God, and the broken and the hurting matter especially to God. But the interesting thing is this. Verse 7, 
of Acts chapter 6, they're doing this thing where they are just loving, hurting people well. And um, this is what it says in verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. The reality of it is when we are the church that God has called us to be, when we say we will be servants, when we bring hope to the hopeless, God overwhelmingly blesses that. But it's only going to happen if we decide that we will take on the heart and role of a servant. And so as we have some time to worship and respond, I would just ask you to ask, like, what, what is it that holds me back? Is it some idea that I'm not really qualified and it's only for special people? Well, we've got to kill that. Is it pride? Is it, is, it, is it some sort of better than? Is it fear? Is it timidity? What is it? As we pray and, 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 and worship, ask God to kill those things in you so that you can now then ask him this, well, what can I do? What is the thing specifically, God, that you have called me to, to be the hands and the heart of the church to the world that needs it? So as always, we've got lots of ways to respond. Our prayer team is back there. We'd love to pray with you. There's prayer candles. Communion is available. You can pray at the cross. You have an opportunity to give financially. Just whatever it is, just, uh, just find a way to respond and ask God to, to do whatever it takes in your heart to help you be a servant and to help you find the role that he's called you to to bring hope to the hopeless. Let's pray. God, you really have, from Genesis to Revelation, have made it clear your heart for those that our society kind of cast aside, your heart for those who have no one else but you. And God, I pray that we would be the kind of church that, sh- that, that, that shows that to the world. And God, just from a sincere heart and a desire to serve, would love and represent you well in the world. And so, God, I do. I pray that you would break down all those barriers that are in our heart. And God, give us clarity individually and collectively as a church um, what role you want us to play. And God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And the example that he had to come here, not, not to be served, but to serve. And ultimately to give his life as a ransom for all of us. And God, I pray that we would have that attitude as well. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.